This is Cap Church Small Church uh, content, video content for October 16th, 2022, the series on Acts, uh, continuing in that series. And today we hit one of the most uh, difficult stories in the book of Acts, maybe in the whole New Testament story in Acts chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, but I'm going to start off near Denver in 1996. Ken Bell and I were there for a youth specialties conference, 2,000 youth pastors gathered together for a number of days. And uh, on that occasion, Ken and I got to drive around a little bit and got pretty close to a place called Colorado Springs. And uh, for those in the evangelical know, uh, Colorado Springs is the folk or the <laughs> is the where head office is for a lot of kind of evangelical ministries and organizations largely for tax reasons, but anyway, um, and uh, Focus on the Family was uh, there at the time, like headquartered there at the time, and Ken and I noticed that uh, as we looked around, so for those who don't know Focus on the Family, that's Dr. James Dobson, who is not really a medical leader or religious leader, he's a political political voice, but anyway, um, was kind of really, really big in the evangelical church, still is in, in some places, but uh, Anyway, Ken and I noticed in 1996, kind of at maybe the peak of Focus on the Family, some bumper stickers that had kind of a Focus on the Family logo on them. But they said this, they said, focus on your own damn family. Um, so that got us to asking, well, maybe not everybody around here is really happy about this. Uh, um, and it was curious. I start off the teaching time here today with that, because from organizations like uh, Dr. Dobson's and others, and from a particular uh, way of thinking within Christian faith, the family was elevated to particular status. But that had often to do with like, you had to meet certain requirements in terms of what a family should be. Um, and so maybe that was some of the consternation in the community. And I'm sure many people uh, would say the opposite, but we noticed those things. Uh, I start that off to introduce this story of Ananias and Sapphira because um, what I want to do in this uh, teaching is to help disintegrate a couple of idols. Um, those idols have to do with money and with family. So why don't you go and read the text, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Uh, so you can pause this now and then come back and we'll uh, dive in a little bit. Okay, so... I hope you're troubled by that story. It is a difficult story, and it ought to raise a number of questions for you. It ought to make you a little bit upset, I think, uncomfortable. Will Williman, in his commentary on the Book of Acts, says this is the first crisis to hit the young community of the church. Um, until now, and certainly in just the verses before this, at the end of chapter four, it's a bit idyllic, right? It's people sharing things, selling what they have, supporting one another. Uh, this individual Barnabas is mentioned at the end of chapter four. Barnabas sold a field and gave all the money for the need of the community. It's just this wonderful thing. And then you have this story. You have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and it doesn't work out so well for them, even though apparently they give away some money to the community. But they've held money back and left the impression that they haven't. And uh, they die supposedly at the hand of God um, and then the community is struck with fear. I think it's safe to say you can decide for yourself I suppose but I think it's safe to say that the closest thing we have 
as a consensus divinity in our culture, maybe in large parts of the world, the closest thing to the divinity is money um, and security that comes from wealth. Martin Luther said that security is the ultimate idol. So to some degree, what Ananias and Sapphira are doing is they're ensuring, at least in their minds, their own security by holding back money um, from the community. They can't give it all away. After all, they have to think about themselves. You may have said, uh, you certainly have heard the, the injunction that we have to teach people the value of money. And I suppose, of course, that this is true. But if money is a divinity in our culture, then probably even before teaching people the value of money, we need to teach people the value of people, that something comes before money. So it's important to, I think, touch upon that wealth aspect of this and the money aspect of it. But I want to go a little bit deeper in terms of some other idols. Uh, and that is idols of couple and family. It's Willie James Jennings that calls this passage the death of the sovereign couple. So sovereign meaning, what is that thing in your life that is above all? Sovereign, right? Uh, the idea, of course, in faith is that God is sovereign. But Jennings is saying that this is the death of the sovereign couple. They have put their sense of being a couple ahead of the community. And Jennings says ahead of the church. And I would add ahead of the world. So that there's a kind of estrangement that is produced, a distance instead of a joining that we've been talking about. Um, Kim and myself. This is not intimacy with others and the world. This is a distance on behalf of protecting the couple. The couple is sovereign. And Jennings says with what happens, it's the death of the sovereign couple. So their existence is not for the world, but for themselves. Sovereignty of couple and family. And the reason I opened with the Dr. Dobson kind of idea is that our illustration is that there are many people, uh, you may not have heard many of them, but who present the idea that Christian faith in the last number of decades, particularly evangelical Christian faith is given to this, but not, it, it's elsewhere too, um, has treated the family as it, it actually turned the family into an idol. The positive of thinking of, you know, that family matters, family values, those kinds of things, is that in your family, you can be known, trusted, a sense of safety. This is the ideal, right? Of course. But for many people, that's not the experience. Family becomes a place of difficulty and abuse, confusion, um, and much despair in the world takes place within families. And sometimes if we set up family as an idol, we wind up making it so that people can't admit that and address some things. Also, uh, th so these kinds of pathologies are created, but also what winds up happening is if the couple or the family is sovereign, you create second-class citizens if they don't fit certain categories. And we can see that all through our culture. If people are single, they live their whole lives single, or if people don't fit whatever prescribed kind of notion of family um, that the culture or the church lays down, then they're somehow seen as lesser than. Which of course, God's love is not for the family. God's love is for the world. Family is an important component of life, even spiritual life, but family is not to be an idol. So what Jennings says is the church winds up um, in Ananias and Sapphira's way of, of seeing things, serving the family or serving the couple. 
So the couple is sovereign or the family is sovereign and the church serves. It would be worth kind of considering how many churches and including our own background can set things up as if this is the way things work. Like churches have to have things so that they can address all the needs of the family. Um, I can see the positive in this, but it also gives away a little bit of the sovereignty thing. So Ananias and Sapphira hold back funds. They, they leave the appearance. Otherwise, they go to see Peter. They say this is happening. And it's like a, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but it's like a medieval kind of scene where they're struck down with no, no hand is laid on them, but they're struck down and they die. First Ananias, three hours later, Sapphira comes to see what's happening and she's, she dies as well. Uh, one of the things that Jennings points out that I think is worth talking about too in small church is that there's actually a change in the concept of violence in this story from other parts of scripture. So in the Old Testament, for example, you have the story of Achan in Joshua 7, 24 and 26, and it's kind of a creepy story too, but uh, there's a death at the hands of people. So people kill someone because they believe that God has told them to do that. So violence is administered by the religious authorities kind of on God's behalf is the idea. My friend David Goa, Orthodox theologian, has said that scripture is a revelation of two things, divine love and human idolatry. So in those places where people think they're being told to kill on God's behalf, um, Goa says this is probably could be entirely a revelation of human idolatry, but it certainly is part way that. Um, it's perhaps a misunderstanding of God. And here in this story, Jennings points out in terms of the violence, the apostles themselves, the church itself, is not free to raise a hand in violence. Ananias and Sapphira die, but it's not Peter that kills them. It's not the church that kills them. It's not the church that executes violence on God's behalf. So at least let yourself face the big question of what kind of God does this kind of thing. That's what we should be troubled by. But what's happened in history, including our own Christian history, is that the church time and time and time again has taken up their particular cause, claimed it as God's cause, and then executed violence on behalf of that cause. This story does not allow for that. This story does not allow the church to take up violence. So, that's a little few things to think about with this story. Uh, and then to end, of course, what can we do with this? Uh, the question of what kind of God would be like this? What is God like? And in Christian faith, there's only ever one answer to what, it, what God is like, and it's the answer that you all know. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And so as I work through this story, I hold all these ideas that I've just talked to you about, but I also remember that in Jesus, there is no violence. He doesn't raise his hand to hurt anyone. And just even before the crucifixion, he stops this kind of behavior. He will not execute violence on God's behalf. And then in terms of these other idols, whether it's money or family, I have the Rich Mullins song, song in my head about, you know, the son, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Birds have nests, foxes have dens but the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man. 
that Jesus did not find his security and worth in wealth and money. This is a word we all need to hear. It's not only for the wealthy. That we would be free from the love of money. Even as we are grateful for blessing and grateful for those who are good at making money and sharing. So we pray for freedom. We pray also for a healthy view of family. That I can be grateful. Jen and I have been married for 30 years, two adult sons. Um, I think for the most part, we get along really, really well. And I am nothing but grateful for my family. But my family is not to be the object of worship in my life. Not the center of the universe. This transcendent meaning and purpose comes from God alone. So we can be aware of the blessing and grateful, but free from idols in our lives. So uh, we've got discussion questions that uh, you have before you and uh, hope you can kind of prayerfully process this text. Thank you.